Have you ever wondered why Blockbuster left and never resurged? Or maybe you wonder how Uber has affected the taxi industry and wait, what does this all have to do with the internet anyways? Well, this week we're going to explain it to you. Welcome to Where Do We Even Start? The podcast where we ask the question, where do we even start to talk about this? <laughs> we didn't, did we even do that last episode? <gasps> we never, we are not good about that, but oh, I was listening to another what? podcast and I was like, damn, we should be better about actually doing intros. So We're fired. If you're a long time listener, first time listener, first time listener, forget all the last little bit. Um, yeah, so this is Where Do We Even Start? This is season one of the internet and we're, you know nearing the end of our internet journey, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and we'll have to pick a new topic soon to quander about. Um, but today, uh, I think we really wanted to discuss kind of the forces of nature of the Ooh. internet, yeah. as, as, a, as some people will say it is. And I, and I do think this is true, because um, the internet isn't just, you know, it's the technology that we've been talking about, it's yeah. the cloud, it's all of these pieces of technology, but the way the internet has like impacted our lives. Yeah. She's powerful. She's powerful. And so, and a lot of, and the, the word that gets thrown around, mm. be this the right word, I don't know, but yeah. it's the word that's used, so we'll use it too, is kind of disruption. 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 Um, yeah. You know, and, and so that's what we're going to talk about today, is like how the internet has disrupted our lives, has mm-hmm. disrupted the economy, and like, why is that really? Like, yeah. what about it, what about the internet has made it like disruptive to our yeah. way of life and i think we're gonna talk a little bit about like our connection you know to disruptive tech before we get into everything but i'm thinking maybe i'll just give like a really quick definition of like what a disruptive technology is this is from investopedia.com so they say that a disruptive technology is an innovation that significantly alters the way that consumers industries or businesses operate a disruptive technology sweeps away the systems or habits it replaces because it has attributes that are recognizably superior now check out these examples that they give e-commerce online news sites ride sharing apps and GPS. So we can already tell the internet is... That three out of those four are purely internet. But yeah, let's be honest. And one's adjacent. M- most of us are not buying standalone GPSs anymore either. It's, yeah. You know, phone. I mean, it's a complicated web of, of disruption, yeah. I think. Um, so, like, me, Misha and I, yeah. we were talking about this. And Misha had a really good point where it's like, we're kind of at that age where... We remember things pre-disruption, but we also lived through the disruption and are now like more accustomed to the disruptive technology. Yeah. So I guess this is just our disclaimer that yeah. like we are uh, late stage Gen Z or I don't, you know, we're, we're whatever the between yeah, Gen sandwiched. Z and Malay. We're pretty sandwiched in between. So yeah, like we are the most comfortable with the internet era mm-hmm. because that was kind of really what we grew into as yeah. we were learning to operate in the world. But, you know, but we can still see that things existed before. Yeah, you know, like, we I had VHS. Yeah, that's exactly you know. what I was going to say. Like, I remember watching movies on VHS. I remember going to Blockbuster. I remember burning CDs and DVDs. I remember, um, like, the day, I guess, like, the Monday after an election mm. being like... Whew, 
who won. And, right, you know, like the right. newspaper on the front would have like all the winners of all the right. seats and you could go in and in the newspaper look through all of it. Literal breaking news. Literal breaking news. Yeah. Landed on your doorstep and yeah. like obviously wouldn't do that now. Yeah. It would. I go to Twitter. Go to Twitter. Oh, me. Uh, I mean, I'd go to cbcnews.ca. True. Sponsor. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, at the Canadian government, if you want to sponsor. Yeah, like, yeah if, you, if you want to make us a CBC podcast, oh um, you know, we're not mad about it. At everyone, go at CBC and let them know. So anyways, that's just kind of our, like, relation to what we're going to talk about. So, yeah, you know, so when things are getting replaced... We're going to think of that as disruption, but I mean, we're also not trying to write an essay here, so we're not going to no. be following, like, strict definitions and really breaking that down. Just going, I wanted to give you that context, so as we're, like, yeah. discussing, you can kind of just keep that in mind. And, and I think the one thing that, like, that definition maybe talked about, which is, I think there are varying degrees in all of these yeah. changes and innovations, is things that have swept away mm. the previous thing. Right, right, right. Because right. we'll look at some innovations where, like, truly, the way we used to do things is gone. Yeah. Like, we don't do that anymore. But it's at e-commerce, and, uh, yeah, there's lots of stores mm-hmm, still, mm-hmm. you know? The supremacy of the mall, yeah. uh, <laughs> that is dead, you know? That's, that's no longer with us. Yeah. But, you know... Things can live alongside each other, but we yeah. have a fairly fragile ecosystem. So, you know, all of these changes, as we'll discuss, have a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. monetary ripple effects and jobs and livelihoods and, yeah. you know, abandoned buildings and <laughs> ghost, ghost. stories. <laughs> Indeed. Aww. So I think when we were researching a little bit to kind of see like, oh, like what are some disruptive technologies and stuff? Like people we noticed maybe didn't connect all these like let's say uber and lyft and and skip the dishes and all these new apps and these new systems that in our mind like are a a bit disruptive um they didn't really connect that directly like to the internet Mm. whereas since we've been learning this whole way in our minds it's like well literally none of those things would be possible without the internet yeah and i think like it's what we've always talked about, and this is sort of the context, is that it's just a big data and information, quote unquote, super highway. It's the pipeline, it's the infrastructure, mm-hmm. it's the network of computers, and it, that is what is allowing all this information to be shared in, in real time. You know what I mean? So it's like, sure, Uber is cars. Basically, you know what I'm trying to say is that the way that we're making all these connections to the internet is basically that none of these systems or apps Mm -hmm. or whatever were really possible without this like data pipeline without this network of computers so that's the kind of the connection that we're making Mm -hmm. just to lay that out there yeah i think it's it's the internet is so many layers of technological innovations quote unquote um but yeah the core technology is needed to be there. It's not just computers. It's yeah. not just apps, but the internet. It's kind of like, you know, you we have lots of things that wouldn't work without electricity. Yeah. And too often we think we take electricity right. for granted, right? right? There's so many things in our house and we wouldn't have any of them without yeah. power. But, you know, when power was first being introduced, you know, it was easier to see that and probably even 50 years time. Yeah. No one will ever think that, oh yeah, the internet made that exist because it'll just right. be so as commonplace as electricity plug right. in the wall right. is. 
yesterday. But yeah, now you can look back at this archive maybe and and yeah, just think about the ways in which our lives have been changed by the introduction of this new core technology. And I guess like that's why we're not going to go super into like the tech itself Mm -hmm. or the app itself. We're not going to go in and and get really deep into the specifics of that. We're going to more look at it through the lens of like the internet in its yeah. true form of what that means. Because as we've been saying, it's it's that it's that two-way data communication. Yeah. And so there's you're just sending data back and forth. Super easy, just yeah. ones and zeros, but really there are infinite possibilities of, of what you can do with that yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, water is very versatile. Sometimes the internet, you can make a lot of things from water. It can power things. You can yeah. use it. The water you, I guess you can't have water flow two directions in one pipe. <laughs> That's true. You know, only one direction per pipe. Yeah. So internet's already better than water. You heard, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. No, that makes sense. It's kind of, you know, it's a basic idea, but it's so fundamentally life-changing that you can literally make almost anything with it clearly as you can see like we've just gone crazy with it so i mean you know she's versatile (laughs) and so knowing that we kind of put together a little bit of a list for y'all is it a listicle format this week it's a bit of a listicle format yeah okay um of some industries that have been disrupted you know sure it's maybe like a spectrum a scale of how disrupted it has been is this gone (laughs) (laughs) yeah Blockbuster who? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, you know, we're going to kind of go through these and just maybe like discuss them a little bit. Some yeah. we'll probably talk a bit more about than others because it was just more interesting or we know more. Like we know I said, more. we're not yeah. writing an essay. So. And you're not going to time us, are you? Yeah. So. <laughs> so the first one that, I mean, it's kind of something you may not like think about or come to your mind right away. But I guess it is important to some degree is like pulp and paper, the pulp and paper industry and how that has kind of, you know, been disrupted by just, like, digital documents, like, news yeah. not being so printed out anymore. Mm-hmm. I think there's some of these, there's kind of layers of changes from, like, the computer age yeah. to the internet age. Yeah. Because um, a lot of, in a lot of ways, computers made it easier than ever to print things. Right. Like, before you would have to typeset a whole page. Right, Now we have right. digital photocopiers, so you can digitally type something out and then print it from a printer. So yeah. in, in some ways, the computer revolution of the 80s to 90s okay. made printing easier, made paper right, more right. essential. And then all of a sudden, we have digital ways to send paper and, yeah. you know... And to share things. And to share things. And now it's way less. I mean, obviously we still print things, but the number of things that we need to print is, you know. It's less for sure. Less and less. So just while we were looking this up, academic.oup, shout out. So they, you know, did their study, they did some research, and they found that, like, the effect of this is kind of the largest in the U.S. And they predict um, that as of 2011, newsprint consumption would have been four times higher if the internet didn't exist, basically. And they also found that um, this kind of effect was greater in higher income countries. Mm -hmm. And they're saying a possible explanation is because just, you know, internet connectivity is higher. um, It's better in higher income countries. And then, you know, you can facilitate electronic media use better, basically, which like, yeah, it makes sense in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't really say any like specific numbers of like you know how hard hit the industry was or anything like that. I guess if this yeah. interests you, you could always get that Google. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always different ways, and you know, huge amounts of things are still printed. Yeah, and now we have different types of 
packaging and true, receipt. True. You know, we have we have different types of paper, but definitely, yeah. especially moving away from plastic, like yeah. packagings, they have Hopefully, a use. Yeah, still. they have a use yeah. still. You know, but yeah. I would say, you know, deeply disrupted in the types of things and, you know, what we thought the world would look like. Yeah, you know, paper is always. I think a lot of these disruptions. It's like you know, if you worked in that industry, you could imagine twenty years down the road, you'd be like, and I'll still be doing this. Exactly. Like how and now you're not? like, and now you're like, oh god, that's <laughs> you know, that's not what this We're looks like this anymore. Now. Now. Which is, it's, I guess it's an interesting thing to think about in this, you know, post-pandemic, endemics, mm-hmm. which kind of era that we're in at the moment, which is like seeing in what ways the disruptions of the last year yeah. are becoming permanent fixtures true. of our lives <laughs> and, you know, what's going back. And That's so true. We didn't add this to our list, but even like, yeah, Zoom and stuff, like working from home, working stuff. via yeah. the internet versus going into the office. I mean, that could really Indeed. be... I would love to like see, uh, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Apple Plus. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a series about a pandemic set in like the 1980s Whoa. or something. Whoa. And just in that world that's like similar to ours. Yeah, yeah. But like totally different yeah. because I do think it would have been super different. I mean, also the, the amount of international travel we had was right, different back in the right. 80s. Yeah, so, you know, but, but a pandemic still could have happened. Yeah. yeah. That's an interesting thing. Hmm. Hopefully, you know, business execs just listen to this podcast trolling <laughs> for ideas. It'd be, it'd be advantageous for them. True that. The next one on our list, and this is a really interesting one. I mean, maybe she can talk about this one. Yeah. This next one is mail, like letters and email, yeah. which I think is, you know, obviously with the surge of e-commerce, our postal systems have been saved. For a while, there was a, wor- a fear that our postal mm-hmm. systems would die completely. And now we're like, no, okay, packages are a lot harder to deliver than, yeah. than mail. So yeah. they'll be fine. They have enough to do. But yeah, like the amount of mail has, you know, dropped by a lot yeah. in the past uh 20 years kind of thing. I pulled up a stat from the USPS, so the United States Postal Service was kind of the best kind of benchmark. And yeah, so two, the year, it says the year 2000 was actually the peak uh, year for mail. Okay. So, so just as kind of the internet was starting to kind of take off in the early yeah. 2000s. Uh, and there was 103,526,000,000 letters sent in 2000 and in 2020. And I guess it's letters, but these, these are pieces of first-class mail as well. So okay, I'm not 100 So like small, envelope type things? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. In 2020, it was down to 50 billion a okay. year. For the whole year. For the okay. whole year. So that's like a halving in 20 years. And it's actually similar, like there was a growth in the 1970s, yeah. 40 years ago, it was similar to what it is today. So we've right. like gone kind of full circle. Um, and then that was kind of like, oh, how many emails? So on, on Statista, our fun statistics website, <laughs> um, and they kind of had a projection of how many emails were being sent um, in the year. And so I looked, first I looked at the stat and I was like, 306 billion? Like, that's not, how could it only right, be 306 then, billion a year? Yeah. And then I looked a little bit more closely and it's actually 306 billion emails a day. That's a lot. So that's a lot. there's three times as many emails sent per day globally as there were letters in the year in the U.S. at the peak, right? Like, yeah. that's... 
it's and I mean that kind of ties back to in our I remember in our other episode about ads I believe or which one was it about the when we were talking about emails and how yeah. it's mostly AI just it's like shooting off and, email. Yeah, oh yeah our yeah, spam one spam. so I mean obviously that's not necessarily 306 billion emails that all have really important content, content. but really meaningful <laughs> it's a it's a it's a view that like wow yeah like the way that communication like that is you know shifted so much yeah so it's almost like oh my gosh we can send physical letters this is so cool and great everyone loves doing that oh wait we can do a lot of that on email now and then it's just like oh my gosh hold on the possibilities are literally like we could send 306 Mm -hmm. billion a day if we want and so we will and we will and i think it's interesting to see ways in which i think disruptions really highlight systems ability to change mm. and how in a, you know, a quote unquote innovative like yeah. kind of work in this field that talks about innovation a lot and you can kind of see yeah industries organizations that are open to change are organizations today 20 years let's yeah. say after the shift who are totally fine with you not sending in physical copies right but you do still run into places that are clearly you know their systems were set up before this and so they still really cherish those yeah. printed systems which is you know it's, it's an interesting reflection definitely like one of my works is like yeah no that's all fine digital and i think covid has maybe been the nail in the coffin for mm-hmm. a lot of those things like some places were like no we need you to come sign this one piece of paper right. like, no i don't need to sign the one piece of paper yeah, yeah. what does my signature <laughs> like what i just take an e-signature yeah. right like yeah but, but you still you'll run into something um there's a fun episode of uh, the podcast 99 invisible mm-hmm. uh in japan they have these stamps that are their versions of signatures and oh. just in the pandemic they yeah. moved away from it but japan more of a paper-based society because they have these hankos which are your signature right and so right, you right. literally have to you have to stamp, stamp. and so instead of like having to print and scan print and scan everyone yeah. just it does everything on paper because yeah. like it's the cultural right thing. yeah yeah that's interesting yeah the next the next one on our list you know rest in, peace. rest in peace so sad our friend blockbuster as well as like vhs dvd you know and how that was overtook by streaming so since we all love blockbuster so much i have a little bit of a timeline from insider they wrote an article about it but before i get into that you know i just wanted to say i remember because like we mentioned at the beginning, we kind of lived through the transition, right? Mm-hmm. Like we loved going to Blockbuster and then we also... I mean, loved. I it was you only, like you know, it? Well, I did not like it, but you know, I, a, I never really went to Blockbuster oh, that much. Okay, we usually okay, went okay. to Roger's Video or oh. the like local, the little one in the mall. Got you. But I don't know. I mean, I guess that's the start of anxiety there. But like, how do you choose a movie, right? That's fair. Just that's like fair. standing in the hallway. Oh, this one or this one, this one or this one. And the parents are like, well, it's a fucking kids movie. So I don't really care. I don't really want to watch this. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I was, when I was a kid, I didn't have worries then. So it was like, you know, we roll up on the weekend of Blockbuster. I got to pick out my little snack little milk duds you know maybe that push pop that was my jam mm-hmm. and it was just like i'm getting that disney movie i'm getting that movie like it was a fun thing to do mm. yeah you know it wasn't so much i didn't love the renting system like that didn't impress me as a kid i was just like i'm having fun maybe we can ask my parents with it <laughs> they thought they had more insight but i remember thinking to myself as netflix was gaining more of a stronghold like oh why didn't blockbuster just transition over and, and make it netflix like i remember having that thought and it's just because and this is the thing about the internet disruption it's like so many businesses 
they just didn't have the like the knowledge the infrastructure like they just couldn't unless they really invested and they were like looking ahead and and i think that's like a little bit what this podcast we hope to give you the Mm. listeners Uh, we're not going to give you the the knowledge to like you know build your own netflix but i think it's that like perspective to say that like oh i kind of understand this internet right 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 and it's it's unclear at this point if uh, let's say blockchain yeah is kind of uh i would say blockchain is fundamentally not as important of an innovation sure as the internet but there's lots of people who today are like blockchain what right they just like they don't understand it and they write it off completely yeah and maybe your company is going to miss out on the next big technological innovation right. because you're not willing to learn and educate yourself about what yeah. blockchain or is, which is not what Or maybe because nobody's teaching you properly teaching you. Maybe fucking complicated. <laughs> so is season two of Where Do We Even Start blockchain? It might be. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, we got Blockbuster here. And the thing about Blockbuster is they were a little, you know, they were a little trailblazing in their own right. Yeah, no, exactly. Because that was the first way to, like, watch a movie out of the theater without having to, like, purchase the VHS. So if you didn't want a collection of 100 movies in your house... That you're only going to watch one time. Exactly, right? Like, this just made complete sense. So, you know, they had a really good business idea. I mean, they they weren't really disrupting, like, anything because they were the only option. They were... I mean, they were disrupting the, like, control of who like movies right, right? they were right it was maybe like, the vhs store yeah it was it was it was disruptive to the media industry because it used to be people you know had to go to the theater right. or like own the thing right yeah, and yeah, now people yeah. have people can watch a wider variety right. of movies right that so, makes sense so i think um and this is something that we can kind of talk about like the the medium also kind of shapes stuff mm-hmm. so like you make different movies yeah knowing that people will rent them one time uh, versus buy like them. Like, keep them in their home forever. Yeah, and so you can, you can actually see the ways in which the ways that we watch our movies yeah. or listen to our music yeah. changes the type mm. of music that's made. You know, there's a good box video that kind of talks about how streaming uh, music has changed yeah. songs because mm. um, you get paid after you listen to 30 seconds of the song. Oh. So it pays to structure your song, you know. For the 30 seconds. For the 30 seconds. The hardest. Versus, you know, back when we had, like, single records. Yeah. And you'd buy, like, one record with two songs on it. Yeah. One on either side. You know, that one song had to be super popular enough for right. you to want to buy that record so you could listen right, to it. Right? You'd, right. I'd be on the radio and you're like, damn, I love that Rumors by Lizzo. I'm going <laughs> to go out to the record shop and buy that on a right. vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, yeah, all, all of these things, all of these disruptions change in right. in part the media that we consume and, and we can, we'll get into a bit of other That's types of media in a sec as well. Yeah. But. So in the 90s, mm-hmm. they had hit the milestone already of having a thousand stores open. A thousand stores. And in 1997, that's when Netflix was, was founded. But like at first, they were also like, a, you order a DVD, yeah. we're going to send so, it to you. So ne- Netflix, yeah, was like a website where you could order DVDs and have yeah. them shipped to you. I think as Canadians, that's a little bit more foreign because they didn't really launch yeah. that service in Canada. Yeah. Like we didn't get Netflix till it was no. streaming. 
Yeah. Um, so. And their whole sort of inspiration was, okay, so we know Blockbuster's got their late fee when you return a movie. Right. And apparently they made about $800 million in late fees. That was like 16% of its revenue. Mm-hmm. And the Netflix guy was like, mm, I don't like that. We're going to do no late fees. I'm going to send this to your house for like a flat rate, mm-hmm. you know. So they had this idea and kind of what this article says is Blockbuster's mistake is that they did not buy Netflix. Like they didn't have, like they had the money. They yeah. had that dollar dollar bills, but they didn't have that foresight to be like, no. we're going to snatch up. Because in their minds, they thought, how could we ever become obsolete? No, exactly. Right? How could we become obsolete? Because they also didn't, in 2000, see the streaming. Yeah. You know, when you tried to watch a video on the internet in 2000, yeah. it was like, it, was it looked like... Poop. Terrible quality, <laughs> yeah. and it was buffering the whole time, yes, right? Like, right, so, so you're you like, know, how could that replace this beautiful this... Blu-ray? Well, we didn't have Blu-rays back then, but... DVD, well, DVDs of the early 2000s, but... So, you know, then in 2000... But, like, still in 2004, they had 9,000 stores globally, and they were still making $5.9 billion in revenue. So they were still, like, doing well, and they actually tried to do their own, like, online subscription thing called Blockbuster Online, which I'd never heard of before, but that failed. And then after that, everything just went downhill and Netflix. Now there's, yeah, now there's only, there's no real Blockbuster stores left. I think there's one there's or two like one. that are just like a, the franchise owner still maintains it, but yeah, it's not really yeah. connected to the company that once was. No. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, Netflix got on that trend. And yeah. then it was we've seen, it's not impossible to make your own streaming. We're no. kind of in this second phase of disruption where the streaming technology has become so commonplace that everyone wants their own streaming and now we have right quote unquote the streaming wars yeah some people have called it who's gonna disrupt this disruption well it's the disrupting our lives to be paying ten dollars a month to yeah Disney and Paramount and Amazon and 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 Crave yeah so like sure technically if you're comparing this is a little off topic, but I'm getting annoyed by this. Technically, if you're comparing all these prices yeah. to like Blockbuster, mm-hmm. sure, instead of having to rent, you know, like eight bucks, ten bucks, like per movie, yeah. per thing you're renting, this is a lot cheaper because you have all, you know, you have hundreds and hundreds of options. God, we're so far away from that now. I know. Aren't we? So I, I remember like, when we were first getting Netflix yeah. and the argument to your parents is like, we should get Netflix. Exactly. If we just, if we rented <laughs> two videos at Blockbuster a month, exactly. that equals a Netflix. And that made sense. That and so sense. that's why in our minds, we're like, yes, Netflix, this business model is like so good for everybody. But now it's to the point where it's like, hold on. This business model is actually good for y'all and like not that great for me because I'm still paying like I could be paying like 50, 60 bucks a month, which like. Yeah, which is like, well, now it's yeah, because before it was just replacing Blockbuster. Now it's replacing like your whole cable package potentially, which is, you know. Think about that what you'll think. But so anyways, our poor Blockbuster, but I mean also they didn't hop on it. But also if you don't know, how are you gonna know? How are you gonna know? Who's gonna teach you? They're not gonna teach you because they wanna use their knowledge to disrupt your shit. Indeed. So anyways, okay, Misha, what's next? I mean the next one I think uh jumping off of what we we're just kinda saying about yeah. how the media changes depending on the way it's being read and delivered. Yeah. The next thing we'll just quickly touch on is like the newspaper industry, print mm-hmm. media, um, you know, has obviously everyone's like print media is dying. And yeah. so, you know, I think, I don't, I mean, it's possible that the newspaper world is pretty like 
flat now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that it will necessarily decline a lot more, but obviously the, the dominant, the, the dominance has, has shifted. Yeah. And I would say, um, this is maybe a good chance to talk about just the way that like, yeah, the internet has really allowed the like structures of power yeah. in a lot of these industries to be flipped on its head. Right. And that's really where the disruption comes from because, you know, news, newspaper used to be a very controlled industry yeah. and now anyone can have a blog and if they get popular enough right and and you can have comments and you have comments below and you have this whole media ecosystem of social media that's like this you know yeah there's so much text between the news it's it's a two-way system instead of a one-way system yeah and and once again the business model has changed yeah it's more about that's true it's more about ads now and less about subscriptions or less people are paying for news but now there's more paywalls so maybe we are supposed to pay for news because the thing is like does the news get a little less good when they're just trying to get you to click on the article to read no, it sure. so they can get yeah. ad revenue. There, there is an argument that, that some of the news that we see is less good, but also there's also an argument that like some of the news we used to see was terribly biased because only yes. four people were writing it. Yeah, they and had so like a really so strong Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And I think what you said about the one-way communication versus two-way is really important because, yeah, instead of the media controlling the narrative, they put out what they put out, you get that newspaper, you read it, you complain to your friends if you disagree, like yeah. you, like, or you try to get your own article written yeah. in the newspaper, no, exactly. like countering it. But now it's like you leave comments; it can go viral. Like the, there's critique, there's feedback. There's feedback. It's like a feedback yeah. loop. And I think I think we see in a lot of these ways that maybe I don't know. We're not talking about how the internet has radicalized people and yeah. why there's a bunch of anti-vaxxers that on the be, internet. Yeah. And this maybe this maybe a story for another time. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's that same kind of thing where yeah, you could talk you could only talk to it to your friends. You could only talk to the amount of physical people you could interact with. Yeah. But now it's so easy to find people who think the same mm. way as you. Yeah. And I used to read a newspaper and think, well that's ridiculous, but I don't know. Everyone else seems to agree, so I guess I'll agree. And yeah. now you can just walk out and say, I think they're dumb and they're like I agree they're terrible and it's you know a vicious dirty scary cycle indeed it is so yeah and I mean we also get a lot of our news from social media now like I scroll Twitter and I yeah I I do follow news yeah on Twitter so that also helps my situation Justin McElroy yeah CBC Twitter God. <laughs> he was like, oops, did I cause the vaccination system? Did I make the vaccine card slow down? Did I do that? Am I the drama? I don't think I'm the drama. I think he is. I think he is the drama. So if you want to come on our podcast. Yeah, if you want to come on our podcast, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Um, if you know it exists, which is doubtful. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's just something to think about. I mean, we won't get too deep into this one, but definitely there has been a shift. And I think we can all, we've all lived maybe not all of us depending on how old you are but a lot of us have like lived through the effect of that so yeah yeah i would say definitely some people don't remember pre-internet news days you know so eh? because that was a pretty early thing to start to shift as well i wonder i wonder side note because when i would go to school they would always hand me the star oh yeah the star like the newspaper and, I think and they're I'm not like, gonna do that anymore okay I was wondering if that's, yeah. if that's dead now I think it is dead like I low-key kind of liked them but I did. you know paper wastage did yeah. I actually read it that hard we don't know we don't know so 
our next one's kind of like, it's a big one because I think like, I don't know, at least at where I live, it was like a lot of people's like livelihoods and it seemed to be like just like a big discussion. Yeah. But I never... I think it's, it's one of those big ones that has changed, but how much has it changed? It has changed a lot, but like... But How much is it really? Yeah, it's kind of hard to get also, a handle on Also, I take on the it. bus everywhere, so I don't care. Yes, same but, here. spoiler <laughs> alert, so that means we're talking about taxis and the ride-hailing that is now yeah. alongside it. You know, taxis are not yeah. dead. They're not gone. No, They're not right. gone. Uber, Lyft. Was that the main ones? Yeah. There's yeah. some more... Um, in China and other markets, but right. those are the main ones. I mean, I mean, maybe won't talk a lot about car sharing, yeah, which really depends on where you live, right? Which is why it's kind of not as fun a thing to talk about. But right. I would say that's right. also less problematic in some that's ways. That's true, and that is also internet, internet enabled. Enabled, although there was car sharing before the internet as well, actually. Oh, but it's kind of a little easier to do now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think the 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 thing that we maybe were able to talk about. Specifically, because um, we live in um, the Metro Vancouver area, which was one of the last places in North mm-hmm. America to get Uber and Lyft, yeah. just because our regulations, you know, in some places there was nothing stopping them, right? Yeah. Like most of these internet disruptions exist in part because the internet changed, it opened up new avenues to which there weren't existing laws restricting things. Right, yeah. I think, yeah. I think on top of the technological dis- disruption. Yeah. There's also a lot of ways in which, you know, laws are on purpose written to not be super, super broad. Yeah. Because then, you know, you don't know what the knock-on effects will be. Right, right, but right. But the other side of that is when there's a new technology or a new change, the laws often right. can't catch up. Can and so for it. in a lot of ways, in some places, Ubers were just allowed to circumvent the laws and say, well, like, this is what the laws are for taxis, but you didn't mention if it right. does it through an app or, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. they try to do. Um, but it has had a real effect um, because taxis were a very regulated market and right. to be able to step out and broaden that. Yeah. Um, and so a good example to just a kind of numeric measure of that is in New York, kind of in Vancouver as well. And a lot yeah. of cities there were taxi licenses or in New York they call them a taxi medallion which kind of means that you know if your car has this medallion on it you're licensed allowed to operate you can trust them New York City taxi right Um, and so in 1962 which was a long time ago it was 25,000 which was a lot of money back back then um for one of these taxi medallions in 2005, it was up to $320,000. Which is not, that's a shocking What's amount of money. a shocking amount of money. And it gets more shocking because in, in 2013, the price, you know, really just before Uber starts to yeah. take off, um, the, one of them sold for a million dollars. Like the, the market that's crazy. decided that it was a million dollars was right. worth. Um, and then with the introduction of ride hailing into New York, yeah. they're way down. So like okay. in 2020, you can they you they were going for like a hundred and thirty seven thousand, which so, is still a lot of money. Which is still a lot of money, but from for one million, sure. it's quite. But a, you know, quite it's a it's decrease. it's quite a decrease, and so that's you know money that's kind of gone from that industry. It's that question of was it valid in the yeah. first place, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing, and you know. But uh, in Vancouver, we also had similar stories where the licenses used to be maybe up for a million, and I think the taxi industry tried to make those stats seem as impressive as sure, possible. Sure. But even even before Uber arrived, yeah. the prices had dropped because just because okay. of the fear of that disruption. And so now it's like two hundred bucks to apply for a license, and and they've really changed the whole system to allow 
a more even playing right. field. Right. So I guess I I don't know. Like I'm I obviously don't drive a taxi, so I don't have that insider insight. But I mean that is like a million paying a million dollars for a license or. Like, I, I don't know, you know, like that just seems like it's like an investment. But then are you are you getting that even back? Like, how long do you have to work to even get that initial investment back? Like, yeah. I don't know. It like, seems like it's like maybe that was what should, what should happen. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one of those scary. Like, I guess that's like a market failure, a market collapse kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and you just got to hope the market's not big enough that that really disrupts everyone because like ideally you know the only way that we're ever going to really afford housing is if the housing market <laughs> collapses but i'm right. aware that that would like screw over a lot of people devastate a lot right I so you know i don't actively wish for that to happen right. as, as much yeah you know she's complicated she's complicated as usual so but anyways. speaking of housing oh yeah um we've got kind of that airbnb hotel and also right. i think like you know, even Expedia. Sure. Expedia, I guess, is the first wave of right, right, right. internet travel disruption. Yeah. And we've got Airbnb. I think Airbnb has disrupted more housing supply. Like, I think you've yeah. seen, you know, people have talked about rental units yeah. becoming hotels instead right, of being right. able to be rented. And yeah, so I think is, that's that's wow. almost more where the disruption is versus yes. the hotel industry yeah, kind of thing. Because they're kind of two different, like, use cases in a way. Yeah. And then this one... I don't know what this website, how to say this, but entremt.com. Mm-hmm. And they had a nice little analysis that I liked because I feel like it does encompass kind of how the internet has enabled these things. So like these system computer systems allows allows for communications between larger hotel chains with multiple locations staff can be on the same page you can access information easier you know the experience can be a lot better so basically all the information can be found on one system like everything can be connected so even when you're going to compare deals compare prices or maybe yeah one hotel has a hundred chains and you're checking mm-hmm. between now like the internet has enabled that to be possible. And I, I guess same, like we didn't really mention, but for the, you know, for the ride share, it's like, sure, that app, like the way that it looks and everything could exist without the internet. I guess you could have a car share on just a phone based thing. Like yeah. it could technically exist, but like not in that same way where you're like, I'm it's booking an Uber. Yeah, I'm getting that ways. information back yeah. to me. It's live time. I see the driver. I It's all happening right then and there. Like without the internet, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And I would wager, I guess, wager, wagers, wagering, that the inspiration for Uber was like because they knew it was possible with the internet technology, yeah. not because they were like oh, ride share and I want to make it happen, whether it's on the phone or an app. It's like, no, it's an mm-hmm. app. These are the possibilities. Let's go yeah. for it. And I think maybe the other thing is like uh, Uber versus Uber is also, I guess, a web 3.0, if you will, or it's a very mobile internet yeah. innovation. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because you, you could have Uber where you like book it on your desktop right. computer, but right. that's not nearly as effective as the computer in your pocket that's right. always connected to the internet. Because otherwise, you'd like book a taxi from your house through the internet right. and then you get to the place where you are and you're like, ah, oh, damn it, I can't get home now. Right, that's true. So, you know, oh, yeah, that's the, true. the ways in which the internet is more accessible. Yeah. Same, so it's kind of the same way that Airbnb, yeah, yeah, just the way that you're interacting with it and you're able to see all these different places that are available. It's like, well, without the internet, like, it'd be a lot harder to do that. Yeah. So anyways, um, I mean, okay, listen, it was a little hard to find any facts about this. I mean, and also I think we feel a little embarrassed <gasps> doing a lot of looking, which is bad. We should be We're more sex positive. We are supportive of our We are supportive of our um, yeah. Well, we were thinking like, 
you know, we're thinking about Pornhub and all these like really, really large like streaming sites. Mm -hmm. And we were wondering if that affected like porn stores, like adult stores, like in per that in-person experience. Cause they, they were doing DVDs and VHS yeah, yeah. and all that stuff as well. I'm like, Really it's not enough people researching yeah. the effects because I think yeah. one, one thing that is interesting I guess about porn stores is there's not a lot of por there's no porn store chains are there that's a great in my question. mind I don't think oh, there are that right now. Not, in, not in our neighborhood at least that we know of let's see oh we don't know confused oh, oh online, online only, only. Yeah. so that's okay so yeah let's just say People be ashamed, and so the yep. internet has really changed how we do the porn. That's true. Adult stores, you yeah. Know, you really now you're only gonna go to a store when you want to like test out a dildo, right? You know. <laughs> true, you true. Feel, you're getting like a physical. You gotta feel how big it is, right? Like <laughs> the veiny one or the not veiny one. <laughs> yeah, you want to. You're getting a physical product, but yeah, if it's anything streaming or if if it's data that can be transmitted over the, over internet, the internet, it's gone there. It's gone there. And I think now we've seen like. Um, OnlyFans mm. and a lot of these plat platforms, I think Uber and Airbnb are all platforms. Yeah, so the idea right, is that right, they right. kind of they enable this connection, which is enabled through the two-way communication. And yeah. OnlyFans has really once again changed that power dynamic, right? right. It's giving more people more control yeah. over how they That's are true. selling, you know. Yeah. What they have to offer. Because I remember too, there was a lot of issues with like Pornhub allowing a lot of content on the site that was either like illegal or like pretty questionable, mm -hmm. and they had a lot of control and they were getting hate, but also like kind of not doing anything. Now they kind of have, I don't really know. So yeah, with OnlyFans, it was like you're posting your own content, you can feel good about that, except for I don't know what the fuck they're doing recently, but you know, you know, we don't know. So that's that. And then, you know. Let's bang off the last couple because I think you know a lot of these. Yeah. So, you know, we've got malls, stores. I think malls and department stores yeah. turning into Amazon, Shopify, and online shopping. E-commerce takeover. E-commerce in general. You yeah. Know, that's really, you know, pushed a lot. There's been uh, a marked decline in the you know, revenue of uh, department stores over the past 10 years, yeah. you know, year over year, it's gone down every year. Yeah. And the pandemic, it went especially down, I guess it's come back up a bit in 2021 versus right, right. 2020. But, you know, year over year decline in department store sales, year over year increase of a pretty similar trajectory. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very clear that people are buying less in store, buying yeah. more online, and but with still a existence. Yeah, they coexist know. to some degree. They coexist. But yeah. I think we've seen a lot of, you know, America built a lot of malls yeah. between 1970 and 1990. Yeah. You know, a lot of malls were built and already we're seeing, you know, a lot of the malls that, you know, did the internet kill them? Partially. Is it possible that the mall should probably have never <laughs> been built in the first place? Possibly. Also possibly. Yeah. So I think we've also seen the death of retail. It's, it was uh, I think predicted in yeah. a Washington Post article that one in four malls in the U.S. was expected to close Damn. by 2022. Um R.I.P. But also... Fun YouTube videos. Yeah. Fun YouTube videos. Hopefully it becomes housing or something. That'd be great. Yeah, but Knowing America great, probably yeah. won't because it's built in the middle of yes, nowhere. Yeah, to that. You know. Um, okay. And we've also kind of got, you know, uh, the way we interact with our banks has really changed. Yeah, that is. That kind of those... And, like, for that one, we're trying to see if the switch to online banking had any, like, negative, really, like, large-scale negative yeah. repercussions for people. And, like, that's still... It's still also, like, it's, a coexisting thing. It's and still a coexisting thing. I think there's now fintech companies, which are competing with the banks more but that I think has to do a lot with regulation which is something we are going to talk about yeah, in, we'll talk in a about future in episode. episode yeah, yeah. Um, but I think some of the 
financial technology that has really been disruptive and has really only been disruptive in the past couple of years um, through layers of internet is kind of um, stock trading apps mm. and investing has right. become yeah, yeah. so much more open. Yeah. I think you know, the theme here is that there's openness and shifted power dynamics. Yeah. Um, but we saw, you know, I guess that was only the beginning of this year, right? It was like January 2021 that the crowds of people on Reddit were um, shorting or making GameStop surge. You know, the GameStop stock went up 2,000% in the last year because people on the internet, people on these apps were willed it into existence existence (laughs) through listen to a podcast about that to find out please thank you (laughs) i kind of know but you know no we're not gonna but we're not gonna go there you know um and i think finally rounding out our listicle episode is skin delicious or just like food food delivery these apps are just like i feel like i feel like a lot of people on tiktok seem to use like Uber Eats. Oh, more. Uber Eats. I prefer Skip the Dishes because Uber Eats, I, I think they're like delivery fees are usually like oh, way higher. more expensive. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, like once again, there's, that can be debated how disruptive that was, what that meant for the restaurants, how they had to adapt. I'm not really sure. It seems like a lot of restaurants have adapted. So yeah. how disruptive is it in that sense? I don't really know. But I mean, I think I think it's interesting in that same way that the disruption uh, uh, affects not only the technology, but the industry that exists on it yeah. because i think specifically with the food delivery apps now we have ghost like i think ghost kitchens oh. have emerged in the past uh, i don't know i would say three right, or four right, years right, and if you don't know what a ghost kitchen is it's like a commercial kitchen that exists somewhere or sometimes it's actually the kitchen of an existing restaurant yeah. but on the food delivery app it will like show up as its own restaurant right, so right, like right. like Chuck E. Cheese's has a wings place what? that they like operate as its own oh, wow. okay. like, restaurant like you it has its own logo it has yeah. different pictures you, you wouldn't know you wouldn't know that it was actually a Chuck E. Cheese's because they're trying to like expand their sure, brand sure, and so now yeah lots of people I, I just saw some like some literally there's just like doors on the side of buildings and mm-hmm. you'll see a list of like six restaurants oh, damn. on the side and That's all of these six restaurants operate you know so it's, know it's that. that same way that streaming changes our movies changes our right. music right. changes our news food delivery has started to change yeah, I see. you know a bit of the types of food and restaurants that we order from yeah which is and i think i think i think it's a good hallmark of disruption yeah to see oh is this disrupted oh well <laughs> that shit did not exist <laughs> before we started doing it this way for sure so. i think that's a good like lead into our kind of last points here where it's just you know all these disruptions yeah there's been a fundamental shift in the way that things are happening there's a fundamental shift in who's controlling things maybe like less people are controlling things who's controlling things have changed you know what i mean instead of like oh, the media was a good example instead of them necessarily there's one main newspaper and they're controlling the narrative it's like well you can start your own newspaper if you want it's basically just a blog yeah. so you know the the landscape has changed a lot and yeah and you know. yeah i think especially we talk about some of those platforms which have been the biggest disruptors yeah you know yeah they've taken it from the type of control is different. The type yeah. of control you have as a platform is different than the type of control when it's a bunch of different companies. Because with a hotel, 
you know, you control your own domain and what everything looks like. Whereas yeah. on a platform, you control the rules, right. but none of the supply, right? Yeah. Like Uber can only shift and right, adjust. And right, the, right, You know, it's, yeah, you know, it, it is a different like, type of they're power. They're not making cars. You know. Not providing cars. No. Although yeah. I, I, they're trying to, I think Get some, there. now, now they're trying to incentivize like electric cars. Right. And, right, and right. things like that. Right. Um, you know, and also I think there is this bit that like the computer having it be with computers has also changed because sometimes you're talking to a robot, right? Yeah. Like when you're banking, you're not interacting right. with a human. It's not a two-way communication with a human. It's communication with a computer program. Yeah. Um, which, you know, has really helped to make things cheap. It's a lot cheaper to talk to a this robot than it is to talk to a person. Yeah. So, you know, the, the communication on the internet has really changed as well. Mm. There's a lot less layers now between a business and their consumers, just everyday people, you know, interacting with their product, interacting with their services, whatever, you know, it's... I would say there's a a consolidation of gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. I would say we used to probably have more different types of gatekeepers, but they had a really strong strangle on power. Yeah. And now the gatekeepers of the world's information are the algorithms. Right. Right? So... So the algorithms are kind of saying what you do and do not see. But if you're really motivated, you can get around and you can search on whatever, you know, if you're motivated, the algorithms kind of sway things. So, you know, there's the mainstream, what people see, and then there's the sleuther's ability to find other stuff. Whereas it used to be more, you know, the only way you get what you get. Right. Um, And I think that's, that ties into last episode, what we were talking about, the serviceification mm -hmm. of the internet. You know what I mean? All these services, the streaming ones are a big example, but you know, iCloud and Google Drive and all these things, it's like they are gatekeeping in their own special way because they have the ability to control. So it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's that juxtaposition when we talk about it, like the internet is free, it's open, it's supposed to make things more accessible. Are we like straying from that a little bit? I don't know. No, I would say, and in our discussion of this, I think we'll close off with one last analogy. Yeah. Um, I'm a big cities person, as you may have got in the past couple episodes. I don't know. Um, but I think, you know, the, what the when the internet first came out, the first real analogy for it was yeah. it's the information superhighway. Yeah. And I think that, like, the highway metaphor is a really good example of you can see the ways in which our cities and our lives were changed mm-hmm. by the introduction of highways um, in, in a similar way. So in the 1950s, there's a highway building boom in America. Yeah. Um, parts of cities are being destroyed, predominantly um, places where people of color lived. And there's a whole really racist history to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden we're having um, suburban development that never would have existed before we had highways yeah. and we have all of this spread out stuff and some of those things definitely had negative impacts yeah, you know it was sure. not a regulated thing we didn't really realize how much people get socially isolated in the suburbs how yeah. little they walk and you know how this car dependency is really not necessarily healthy yeah that being said we've also built people's lives we've built businesses we've built you know we built so much off of these highways that it's really hard to undo any of it and the highways have definitely brought undeniably good things yeah to our lives right yeah. the highways have made people richer they have connected communities in different ways yeah and and i think when you look at the internet in that lens like throughout the late 90s to early 2000s the internet started connecting different people in different ways yeah and now we've had our economy and our lives grow and integrate yeah. with the internet in ways that now it would be crazy to pull apart yeah how from. do you even separate how that? do you even separate that but we are also 
seeing the negative ways. You know, yeah. we're already seeing the version of internet dependency that we saw with car dependency. Right, and that right. it's hard to break away from that. But it's also causing social isolation and yeah. a breakdown of the community. You know, it's this same technological shift yeah. pushing kind of people apart, especially because it's a technological shift fed by capitalism as well yes, you know they're both they're both fed by this same system but yeah it's an interesting way to look you know we we can't necessarily dismantle our you know highway systems we, we need them to exist and we definitely can't dismantle our internet systems yeah. but we can think consciously about how we yeah use we can critique it yeah we can we can use you can choose to live a life that might be more healthy that uses the internet less maybe yeah, or you yeah. use the internet in a healthier way yeah. where you're you know I don't know what that looks like. Maybe that's the challenge of the next 10 years is defining what a healthy balance of internet looks like. And, you know, I think obviously with roads and this is, you know, I'll I'll leave this off and then, you know, we'll pick up next episode. And, you know, I think when it comes to roads and highways, like how many rules are there regarding the roads, right? Mm -hmm. Our vehicles for safety to make sure that that experience is good and improved, you know, could be better, but in theory, right? So next episode, we're going to take a look at like, Hmm, what are the governments doing to make our internet experience maybe safer or maybe worse or whatever it is that they're doing? We're maybe going to look at that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All that and more on the next episode of Where Do We Even Start? Uh, Goodbye.